Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. I want to talk about the power of choice today. The power of choice. Um, this message is really significant. Uh, it's, it's somewhat sad, but also celebratory, because lately I've been thinking and counting down the days, and of course, you know, this Saturday we have our annual church meeting where the congregation has the opportunity to uh, cast its voice and vote as we ratify the appointment that I've made of Dr. Pastor Marcus Arrington and the nomination of our elder board for him to become the next senior pastor at Park Lawn. Yeah, we can thank God and celebrate that, amen? So I've been, I've been thinking, I've been meditating. I don't feel no ways tired, as James Cleveland said. I don't feel old at all. In fact, 60 is the new 40 in my book. Amen. But I do feel like we're, we are in a season of the crossover. We are in a season where Moses is passing the mantle, passing the baton to Joshua. And uh, I've been counting down the number of sermons that I have left as the senior pastor. Uh, it, it won't be the last time you hear my voice, but it'll be one of the few to last times that you'll hear me in this role as the lead pastor because we are shifting. And so I started doing some math, and uh, over 27 years ago, I started preaching on this platform. And then I, I counted the days. 27 times 365 is 9,855 days. And I thought about the fact that scientists tell us that every one of us makes up to 5,000 decisions a day. And I did the math. I did the 9,855 times 5,000, and I came up with 49,275,000 decisions that I've made. This morning, I made the decision whether or not I would get out of the bed or not, because this pulpit could have been empty this morning. Aren't you glad that I said yes? I made the decision if I would wear jeans or a suit. I pulled my jeans out of the closet. I made the decision, am I going to iron these or not? <laughs> I'm glad that I chose to iron them. I looked in my sock drawer and I made the decision, am I going to wear white socks? Am I going to wear ankle socks? Or am I going to wear no socks? Or am I going to wear my happy socks? 
But before I got out of bed, I also had another decision. Am I going to get up and work out this morning? Well, I'm not even going to talk about that. That's none of y'all business, what I chose. But the reality is that all of us, we have 24 hours in a day. We probably use seven or eight of those hours for sleeping. The question is, what are we going to do with the remaining hours that God gives to us? Some of the choices that we make are just random everyday choices. What am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to make for dinner? Which route am I going to take to work today? We make choices, but then our choices make us. Choices, power of choice. Just imagine with me that crime rate could go down and the churches could be filled up with attendance if we made different choices. There'd be fewer women and children with broken hearts and absentee fathers and more marriages restored if we made better choices. I can just only imagine what would happen in this city, what could happen in this country if, if every family, if, if spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers all made the same decision, said, we're going to get on one accord. That's the power of choice. It's, it's, it's the choice that, that one spiritual father by the name of Joshua made as he was coming to the end of his ministry of leading the children of Israel. And in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, Joshua, he admonished the people. He said, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. He said, get rid of the, the idols, the gods that your ancestors worshipped when they were on the other side of the Euphrates River in Egypt. He said, serve the Lord. But then he gave them the choice. He said, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then you choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether you will serve the gods that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or you will serve the gods of the Amorites. So you've got choices. He says, you, you're living in the land of the Amorites. You can choose to serve those gods. But he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's the power of choice. The setting that, that this, this, this challenge of choice comes in is in Joshua chapter 23 and Joshua chapter 24. And I'll take you there in just a moment, but... The background is that Joshua is saying, listen, I want you all to remember where we came from. I want to take you back. And so he calls all the, the leaders together. He calls the elders and the families together. And he says, listen, before we go and settle into this promised land, I want to recount to you some history. I want, I want to remind you of God's faithfulness. And I want, I want to take you first to Joshua 23 because I feel a little bit like Joshua, a little bit like Moses today. And the Bible says in verse 1 in Joshua 23 that after a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all of their enemies around them, that Joshua, by then a very old man, I can't relate to that part yet, but he summoned all of Israel, their elders, their leaders, their judges, and their officials, and he said to them, I'm very old. You yourselves have seen everything that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Let me, let me pull some, 
some, some key points from the background of this, this text to help us to make the right choices in life. If we're going to follow the Lord with all of our heart, if we're going to follow God authentically, if we're going to follow him faithfully, if you're going to cross over into this new season, if you're going to cross over into uh, greater things educationally, professionally, in terms of your family, number one, you got to remember where you have been. You must remember where you have been. And so in Joshua chapter 24, beginning at verse 1, in the very next chapter, Joshua begins to recall for them where they have been. He takes them back to over a 500-year history, beginning with Abraham. Let me, let me read some of it in, in uh, Joshua 24 and verse 1. He assembled all the tribes of the Israelites. He summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, the officials. They presented themselves before God, and Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors. Let me just put a, a comma right there. Pastor Marcus reminded us that we didn't just get here by ourselves. We're here today because of the blood of the Lamb, but also because of the blood, the sweat, and the tears of our ancestors. We've got to remember that. He says, long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, who was the father of Abraham and Nahor, they lived beyond the Euphrates River. And they worshiped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates, and I led him throughout Canaan, and I gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea. Y'all remember the Red Sea? And the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them, and you saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. And then when Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent Balaam, the son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Come on, when God blesses you, can't nobody curse you. He reminds them in verse 11, and then you crossed the Jordan and you came to Jericho. And the citizens of Jericho, they fought against you, as also did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Neonites, the Flash. Come on, I whooped all of them, God said, right? But he said, even then I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, and also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. You've got to remember where you came from if you're going to faithfully cross over and follow the Lord. Come on, you didn't just, you didn't just get here. <laughs> and you certainly didn't get here on your own. Nobody got to where they are on their own. 
God reminds Israel, remember where you've been, but also remember you didn't get here on your own. It was me. He says, I took your father Abraham from the land. I gave him descendants. I gave him Isaac and Jacob and Esau. I sent Moses and Aaron. I fought for you against the... God said, you didn't do it. I did it. You got to remember how you got here. If you're going to be faithful to the Lord. You know, I'll never forget where I was on 9-11-2001. Y'all remember when the planes hit the Twin Towers? Everybody remembers where they were. Remember the hour, remember the feeling, remember the conversation. And I tell you, likewise, last Sunday, January 29th, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon as I'm having lunch, looking at the television screen and all of a sudden I start getting text messages and Facebook notifications and messages scrolling underneath the television screen saying that Kobe Bryant has been killed in a helicopter crash. Media team, put that picture up. That, that picture, just it just evokes emotion. None of us will never forget where we were January 29, 2020 between 1.30 and 3.30 in the afternoon or throughout that day. We're going to remember that. And we pray for the Bryant family and, and the, uh, the other families that were impacted, killed. I, I, in fact, I want to read their, their, their names. Alyssa Altabelli and John Altabelli and Carrie Altabelli, Peyton Chester, Sarah Chester, Christina Moser, Ara Zobayan, and of course, Gianna and Kobe Bryant. We'll remember that. We'll remember that the rest of our lives. A good place to start in the crossover is remembering. Causes me to ask the question, do you remember where you were when the Lord found you? I remember. I'll never forget. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. <laughs> Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget, no, never. How you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget, no, never. I remember how lost I was. I remember how wretched, how deceiving I was, how dark my life was. I remember when he found me. I, come on, I didn't find the Lord. He found me. He rescued me. He reached down deep in the muck and mire of sin and pulled me out. I remember. I was a sinner. I'm still a sinner, but now I'm a sinner saved by grace. <laughs> Good place to start is to remember. Some of us, we forget. You forget, you, you walking around now because you got a two-bedroom apartment, but you forgot when you were sleeping on somebody's couch. <laughs> you driving past people on the bus stop, turning your nose up at them, but you remember when you was on the bus stop. You need to remember sometimes. Yeah, some of y'all all booed up and cuddled up, but you remember when you were single? Holding the pillow at night? crying yourself to sleep at night, you need to remember sometime where the Lord has brought you from. 
we got to remember, and then we got to recognize that we didn't get here on our own. If it had not been for the Lord on our side, if it had not been for his mercy, if it had not been for his grace, if it had not been for his protection, if it had not been for him keeping us in our right mind, we could have lost our mind a long time ago. Come on, somebody needs to just remember right now and give him some glory. Give him some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. No, never. Never, 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 never forget. Remember. Remember when you didn't have a mind to come into the house of the Lord on Sunday morning. You was too hung over from Saturday night. You was too ashamed from what you did on the weekend. But look at you now. You, you woke up this morning with your mind stayed on Jesus. Oh, God, help us never forget. Help us never to forget how we got to where we are. help us, Lord, to stay on the path. Amen? Stay on the path so we can make the right choices. Choices are important. God allows us to make choices. He, he made us with free will. Can, can I just help parents and grandparents for a moment and foster parents and guardians? Good parenting, great parenting begins with recognizing the, the God DNA and the dignity that he's placed within every one of our children, with every, within every human being. And we deny that dignity when we make choices for people. Those of us that are in positions of power, pastors and politicians and parents and school teachers, don't take the power of choice away from those that we lead. Yeah. Give them the opportunity to fail or to exceed. That's what the Lord does to us. He said, listen, I said before you blessing and cursing. But choose blessing. He points us in the direction. Now, you can turn around if you want to and choose cursing. I give you the choice of life or death. Choose life. God created us with free will. And as I said earlier, we choose every moment. We choose every minute. We choose every hour. We choose every day. We choose every week. We have the power of choice. He made us in his image, and he made us with free will, not as robots. Now, the seriousness is that the older that we get, the more important our choices are. <laughs> the more critical our choices are. Come on, when you're a kid, it's, it's whether I'm going to have peanut butter or just peanut butter and jelly, right? Am I going to have cereal or am I going to have toast? But when you get older, your choices become more critical. What am I going to be when I grow up? What am I going to major in in college? Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to live? What career am I going to choose? What city will I live in? Will I own or will I rent a house? Those are heavy choices. Joshua lets us know that the most important choice, the heaviest choice, the most critical choice 
that we will ever make in life is who are you going to follow? Who are you going to serve? Or are you going to serve somebody? You are serving somebody right now. Even if it's yourself. That's what says you got to choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Turn to your neighbor, just ask him who you going to follow, who you going to follow. Life, life is made up of choices. I, I know this is football season, but, but uh, an old, old, retired baseball player, he's perhaps dead by now. He used to play with the New York Yankees. He was their catcher. His name was Yogi Berra, uh, a, a true black history moment. Yogi Berra, he was the catcher, and, and the catcher's job was to distract the batters so that the pitcher could throw all kind of crazy pitches and strike them out. And, and y'all remember Hank Aaron? Used to play with the Brewers, Atlanta Braves, home run uh, 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 champion. Well, Hank Aaron came, was a young, young player at the time, and he came up to bat. And uh, Yogi Berra's job was to distract him. He would say all kind of things. He would talk about their mothers. He would talk about their, you know, your clothes are too tight. You must be gaining some weight. You know, he's doing all of that while they're, they're getting ready to, to swing the bat. And he, he, he tried this on Hank Aaron once. He said, Hank, the... Uh, uh, the logo on your bat is upside down. The Louisville Slugger is supposed to be the other side. And Hank didn't even listen to him. Next thing you know, pow, Hank hit the ball, man. It went over the fence. He ran around the bases. He came to home plate, and he said, oh, Yogi, by the way, I didn't come here to read today. <laughs> you got to stay focused. But uh, here, here's something that Yogi Berra said about choices, and he was kind of a comedian. He said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Let that sink in for a moment. Take it. I know a fork in the road, you either got to go to the left or go to the right. He didn't tell you which direction to take. He just said, take it. But Robert Frost, who was a 21st century poet, put it this way. He talks about the road less traveled. He says that there were two roads that diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference for me. What Robert Frost is, is telling us is the same thing that Joshua presented before the children of Israel, that you have a choice to make. You can either choose to serve the gods that your ancestors served on the other side of the Euphrates. You could serve the gods that Abraham's father served. You could church serve the gods of the Moabites and the Amorites. You can serve Baal and Moab and Asherah. You can serve Buddha or, or, or Allah or Hare Krishna. You can serve any other god, but he says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You got a choice to make. And Joshua also tells us that you have to choose today. You got to choose today. You can't, you can't put this choice off. In fact, none of us can choose for yesterday because yesterday is gone, right? You use your 5,000 choices yesterday. You get a fresh set today. You can't even choose for tomorrow. Every day you've got to choose whether or not you're going to follow the Lord. It's got to be one of the choices that you make when you wake up in the morning. If you wake up, am I going to serve the Lord today? And when I make that choice, I'm saying, listen, I'm, what comes with that are some other selections that are, are automatically in my favor of blessing. I've got to be faithful to God. I've got to be faithful to my wife. 
I got I to gotta be the best man that I can, the best husband, the best father, the best employee, the best uh, entrepreneur, whatever your calling in life is, all of that comes with you saying, yes, I'll serve the Lord. You got to choose today. And some people say, you know what? I'm not ready to choose. Well, you just made a choice. <laughs> Somebody say, well, I don't, choose, I don't think I want to choose today. Well, that's your choice not to choose. Jesus wouldn't let his disciples get off the hook. In Matthew chapter 16, he came to them and asked them the question. He says, I've got a question for you all. Who do men, who are people saying that I, the Son of Man, is? They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, who was resurrected from the dead, perhaps. Some say you're a prophet Elijah. Some say you're the prophet Jeremiah or the prophet Isaiah. And then he asked them the question, who do you say that I am? He posed the choice. You got to decide today, who am I to you? Who are you going to follow? And Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You are the one that we must choose. Peter stuck by that. He didn't have a perfect faith, but later on, Peter said, Lord, where shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We've got to stick with you. There's only two roads in this life. Contrary to, to popular religious opinion and universalist doctrine that many roads lead to heaven, there's only one road that leads to heaven. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am that way. I am the truth and I am the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through me. Now you can choose to believe that or you can choose to try some other of a thousand different roads. Jesus says there's a wide and there's a broad road. And it leads to destruction. And there are many people that are on that road. It's, it's a road that's popular. It's, it's, it's populated. It's, it's well-traveled. But he said there's another road that's straight, straight and it's narrow. And there are few people that are on it. It's the road less traveled. He says, I'm that road. That's the road that leads to eternal life. So I got a question for you all. Musicians, come back to the, to the, to the keys and we're going to, I'll call for the ushers in communion in just a moment, but I got a question for you. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you decided to follow Jesus? Whoo, man, I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did. But you know what? I did not get to that decision on my own. I needed a Joshua. In, in my case, I had a Joshuette. Her name was Johnny Harvey, my beloved mother. I'm telling you, this was a priestly parent. See, what the world needs today, if we're going to change our city and change our country and change the course and the trajectory of our families and of our community, of our schools, of our churches, we need some Joshuas who will stand up and say, listen, I'm making a choice. As for me and everybody in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And when my mother went to a little revival at uh, a Community Church of God on 39th and Concordia, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 years ago, she made a decision that she was going to turn her life around 
not only for her, but for her family. That decision, this is the ripple effect of decisions, y'all. <laughs> See, because it's the power of choice. It don't just affect you, but it affects everybody connected to you. That decision impacted her siblings. They began to see change in her. Her sisters and brothers began to turn their lives around. That decision began to impact me and my siblings. Sin just didn't feel right anymore <laughs> because we start feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit through the power of her prayer life. It's the power of a priestly parent that decision began to impact other single women because my mother was a single woman. She began to mentor other single women. That decision even began to impact my father who had, had, had a divorced and separated from my mother years before. He began to see the change in her and in us and he eventually gave his life to Christ. I'm telling you, it's the power of a priestly parent who makes a choice says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I want to let you know this, is that every one of us who have made the decision to follow Jesus, that you also are a priest. You're a priest just like Joshua. You're a priest just like Aaron. You're a priest just like Job who offered up spiritual sacrifices for his children. That's what priests do. Priests stand in the gap between heaven and earth and on the earth, they lift their hands, they open up their mouths, and they release blessings. Blessings upon their children. That's what we're getting ready to do as the ushers come and, and begin to serve communion. Just hold the communion emblems until everybody has been served, and I'll give you instructions. But that's what priests do. They offer up prayers for salvation and blessing and prosperity to all of those who are, who are connected to them. Don't you want to see your family blessed? Your siblings blessed? Your children blessed? Your grandchildren from generation to generation? Don't you want to see them saved? I'm so glad that my mother used to pray for the salvation of her family. It wasn't just enough for, for her to come to church and her to know the Lord and her to be saved. It's like, no, Lord, don't let my, she used to pray, don't let my family die without knowing you. We need to, we need to recommit ourselves to Acts 16.31. That when that Philippian jailer got baptized, Paul said to him, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved and your household. Come on, get that in your spirit as, as the communion emblems are passed out because this bread represents salvation. It represents the body of Jesus Christ that was broken and, and, and was nailed to a cross so that you and I could be saved. And if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, not only will you be saved, but your household can be saved too. That's what we want. We have that power. God has called us to be kings and priests. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people whom he has called out of darkness into his marvelous light.
I'm so glad I'm in the light today. I remember when I was in darkness. Yesterday, I had the privilege of, of praying a blessing over the new home of my niece and my nephew. I don't do a lot of house blessings. You know why? Because you can bless your own house. <laughs> right, you can bless your own house. You a king and you a priest. And in, in the midst of prayer, I told my nephew, I said, hold your hands out. He held his hands out and got them big, strong truck driver hands too. Come on, you don't have to have pretty hands like me. You can have, you can have them Muhammad Ali boxer hands. It don't matter. You're still a priest. You can have hands like, like James Brooks. You can, <laughs> he held his hands out, and I took some anointing oil, and I anointed his hands. And I said, you're the priest of this house. I want you to go around, and I want you to lay hands and anoint every door that you want, you want to have blessed in this house. You know what? He wanted every door blessed. So he, just, he took about 10 minutes. He just started touching closets and basement doors and front doors and garage doors. I said, because you're the priest of this house, and you, like the, like the fathers in Exodus, who smeared the blood over the doorposts of their house, you are proclaiming blessing over the people who come through the door of this house, those who abide in the midst of it. You're proclaiming protection. You are casting out demons to stay on the outer perimeter and not come inside and impact you and your family. That's what God has called all of us to do and be. You are a kingdom of priests unto God. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.